Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Okay, we're going to read from Haggai chapter 1 this morning, Haggai chapter 1. My uh, title this morning really is uh, really what my assignment is every Sunday, uh, and what God's Word really from beginning to end encourages us to do, uh, and I'll tell you what the title is in a, a, a second, the reading's up there. Uh, it's not a long word, but uh, it's an important word that we are looking at this morning. And if you are sitting listening to me, uh, both in this room, but also by uh, podcast in the future, um, hopefully the podcast will work this week. Last week's didn't work, I think, because I was speaking predominantly to the men. I think it was sabotaged. I, 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 have a, I really have a... <laughs> <laughs> Some guy got to it and didn't want his wife to hear it. Uh, so if you're a lady and you weren't here, then maybe you should read my notes and see what I said to these guys. Uh, <laughs> okay, Haggai chapter 1. I'm um, just going to read a couple of verses, verses 7 and 8. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. So this is God speaking. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. And uh, God will bless the reading of uh, his short word. I could read really the whole uh, book because <laughs> it's quite short. Um, and I've entitled this morning, uh, Consider Your Ways. Consider your ways. If you notice when I read the two verses, that was the little phrase that God said. He says it in verse 5, but he also says it in verse 7, consider your ways. And that's why I said, really, that's my assignment every time I stand up on a Sunday morning. That's essentially what's behind uh, when I speak. It's okay. Consider your ways. Don't consider Theo's ways. Consider your ways. Okay. Now everybody can see what I'm talking about. Consider your ways. I'll say it again because all of you are all over the place. I can see in your minds and your eyes, consider your ways, not the person next to you. Consider your ways. When Sunday morning came in my life, when I was young, and I've said this many times, there was an uh, expectation stated and unstated in our house, when I was brought up, that Sunday was God's day. Uh, it was a day of uh, rest, not physical rest, but a day of rest from what would normally occupy you, um, whatever that was, whether it be sport, whether it be work, whether it be the office, whether it be, whatever it was, 
it was to be a day of rest from any distractions, from any humanity, it felt. Uh, and uh, my parents, I've told you this many times, had an unswerving, a bit like David, they had an unswerving love for God's house. And by uh, the way they taught me, uh, and the way they influenced me, and the way they told me and pushed me and cajoled me, I had that same love as well. Uh, there was no compromise. No compromise. Not, do you feel like it? Do you want to? Have you any inclination? God's house was God's house, and we would be there. In fact, my uh, sister, Nancy, and uh, also Elaine, who was there last weekend, we were talking about my mother. And they were reminding me how one Sunday she shouted up the stairs to me in this large house that we lived in uh, that it was time for church. And uh, I can't really re- I remember this vaguely because uh, normally she wouldn't have had a problem, but I had the, the cheek to shout down this Sunday that I was tired, uh, only to hear my mother immediately out back, do you think Jesus was too tired to go to the cross for you? I'm on my way, mum. <laughs> you can't really answer that, can you? And uh, that was the sort of answer that if you had the cheek to say something like, I'm tired, uh, that's the sort of answer you got from my mother. Uh, so we would be in God's house, and really from uh, sun up to sun down. And because of that uh, deep drive that she had for God's house, uh, that's what I grew up with. I had a desire and a need and a deep love for God's house. And uh, the older I get, which seems to be very quickly going going quicker and quicker, uh, the more I thank God for the absolute resolve of my mother in particular, but also my father, for God's house. I didn't always thank him at that time when I was young, uh, but certainly now that I'm much, much older, uh, the drive and the resolve that she had for God's house was exemplary, really exemplary. Uh, It was God's house because God was there. It was God's house because God's people were there. It's where God's word would be taught and God's word would be caught. So why would you want to be anywhere else? Which seems quite reasonable when you think about it. Where would you go that could give you what God's house gave you? And for any ladies in particular um, who have a desire and uh, drive, and you get frustrated sometimes of being in the house, and you feel like you're always the one driving God forward, um, I want to encourage you this morning. One day, the people who you are trying to drive forward will thank God for your resolve, and your patience, and your uh, rigidness that God will get the glory in your house. And uh, I was brought up in uh, uh, quite a strict, not house, but strict church. 
But for all their limitations of theology, I had absolutely no doubt that these rather severe men and women I looked around when I saw when I was young had an absolute desire to love Jesus, to serve Jesus. And uh, in an old-fashioned way, they were lovers of God, real lovers of God. Not in a timid way, not in a superficial way, not if I can be bothered, if I can feel like it, if I can afford it. They loved uh, Jesus. There was no hands raised. There there was certainly no drums and no guitars, no overheads, no PA. Uh, If you were there in the evening, there might be a piano played, if you were blessed. which proceeded on to being an electric organ because suddenly God approved of electric organs. I don't know, I don't know why he suddenly decided that, but he seemed to decide that that, that was okay. They did not welcome uh, progress. But when you mentioned Jesus, oh, something changed. And when you mentioned the blood of Jesus, and you mentioned redemption, and when you mentioned sanctification, and when you mentioned the intercessory work of Christ, when you mentioned the different dispensations of the covenant, when you mentioned transmission of sin, when you mentioned justification and regeneration, when you mentioned atonement, suddenly their ears pricked up and they knew exactly what I was talking about or what they were talking about. Many of you don't have a clue what I just said, but they knew exactly what these words meant. They would put you to shame, and me to shame, with their knowledge of uh, the Bible. Really knew the Bible. In fact, if any of them went on mastermind, they would win with Bible knowledge being their speciality subject. I remember having Bible quizzes in the church. That was the in thing then. We were having a Bible quiz, and uh, they left me absolutely and a clue where they were seeking and finding these verses of Scripture. I tell you that in part to explain to you that lovers of Jesus come in many forms and guises, and to remind us not to judge those who don't worship or teach or look like us. In heaven, there will be no certain way of worshiping that you're used to. It won't be Hillsong. It won't be uh, black church, white church, gray church, blue church, music. It won't be high church, low church. It'll be worship. And there is no certain approved way from heaven of us worshiping. Not a certain way of speaking to God. And many people are busy, busy, busy building God's house today, and it may not look like the house that we build for God. God's house comes in many different looks, styles, and flavors. And instead of questioning that, we should celebrate that. I truly, and I'm not just saying this, I can worship anywhere just about anywhere. I really can. High church, low church, no church. I can worship. So it's with those thoughts in mind that we go to this book of Haggai. 
written about 500 years before Christ. And uh, Haggai is very specific how he dates his prophecies, down to the very day. And he gave uh, four separate messages. The first translates to August the 29th, 520 B.C., That's Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. The second on October the 17th, I'm led to believe 520 years before Christ. That's chapter 2, verse 1. And the final two, on December the 18th, 520 B.C., chapter 2, verse 10 and verse 20. That's quite specific, isn't it? Apart from Obadiah, it's the shortest book in the Bible. It's the only book in the Bible that's got two chapters total of 38 verses, written by a guy who was over 70. So I'm young compared to to him. Written because he and another chap that you'll recognize called Zechariah wanted to encourage the people of Judah to finish building the temple and to trust God for their future. What's even more interesting and encouraging is the people which wasn't always the case, listened to the prophetic word that he gave and responded to it positively, which I hope we do too. So what was the message? What's my message? What was my mum's message? This is the message. When you put God's house first, blessings come to you. That's the message. I could sit down now. When you put God's house first, blessings come to you. If my mother had to shout from the grave, that's what she would shout. When you put God's house first, blessings come to you. And this word this morning could be taken in two ways. You could see it as being quite negative, but the way I want to preach it is absolutely very positive. This message is a promise. That as we obey God, by, as we've done this morning and as we are doing and as we will do, by building and investing this worship place, God will bless us. As you bring your children up in God's house, God will bless you and God will bless them. That's the promise from this book of Haggai. And the first chapter, Haggai outlines the problem. Problem being, God's not getting put first. That's an old problem, isn't it? Uh, God's not being put first. And then later on, he states some promises. Chapter 2, verse 19. From this day, God says, I will bless you. He tells us that God sees obedience better than sacrifice. It's not your sacrifice. It's not your gift he's after. It's your obedience in giving that gift to him. And over the years, churches, as you know, have met in various types of buildings, from cathedrals, wonderful, beautiful cathedrals, to tents, really, to no building at all. This is probably somewhere in between. Unusual, but God's house. It's not a tent, It's certainly not a cathedral, but it is church. 
And we say to people, church is the people, not the steeple. In the same way as we say a family is the members, not the family house. But we do know that a family needs a home. You're all going home, I can safely say, to a house. A place to be family, have family, create family. And that's why Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. There are many mansions, many mansions. If it weren't so, guess what? He says, I would have told you. So I take that verse and know that there is a mansion waiting for me in heaven. Is there one waiting for you? If you know Jesus, there's a mansion waiting. He he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Can I just give you a hint? In the New Testament, take close attention to, in my Bible, the, the words in red. The words in red are what Jesus said. There you have it. So that's what he said. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Just let that rest on you for a moment. (laughs) Not for your husband, not for your wife, not for your children, for you. A place for you. He's going to prepare a place for us. So the King of kings and Lord of lords is our host in heaven. He is sorting out my accommodation. Am I right? Am I wrong? I'm right. He says, I'm on my way, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you to be with me. He's sorting out my accommodation, sorting out your accommodation. And until that day, when he eventually will host us, Our job is to host him, him being the Holy Spirit. Host him both personally and corporately. So he sent God himself. Let me just remind you the Holy Spirit is God. He sent God himself to reside in you, in your house. And the Holy Spirit, if we believe what Jesus said, is used to mansions. He's used to streets of gold, transparent streets, rubies, sapphires, all sorts of things. So anything I do in my life, anything we do in this place... I want it to be the very best that I can do, that we can do, the best that we can make it. So, as much as I can, I take care of my own personal temple. I watch what I put in it most times. I watch what I contaminate it with. It's my body but it's his temple. So therefore, it's holy. And I also take care of this place, as we all do. 
of his corporate temple, his headquarters, if you like, <laughs> his house, his place, his residence. And it is holy too. And as we reside here, we're not just in an industrial unit, we're in God's house. And his house comes before my house. I, you, some of you know my house, and I can tell you, his house comes before my house. Every time. You ask Susan, she'll tell you the same. And that's how Haggai puts it. He puts it in a way that in the New Testament is put another way. In the New Testament it says, Seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added to you. Haggai puts it this way, you've sown much, and you bring in little. He says, you eat, but you don't have enough. He says, you drink, but you're not filled with drink. He says, you clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. This is all that is in the book of Haggai. And he says, he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. God says, rather dramatically, I blew it all away. What a cheek that God would do that. <laughs> Isn't it? You think about it. I blew it all the way. Because, why, why did you do that, God? Because you didn't put my house first. If you read the book of Haggai, that's what you'll see there. And I don't see this as condemnation. I see this as encouragement. Because God has given his plan. So if we want the plan, not only are we going to be in tune with God, God's going to be with us, and suddenly we'll find that he's not blowing everything away. This is his design for success. This is the way out of my predicament. This is the way out of our frustration. That's why I called this, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Mother would always say, God first. What in, what in mum? Everything. Everything. God first. In work? Yes, God first. In play? Yes, God. You know, it's like Mars bar. Eat, rest, and... What is it? Work, rest, and play. Yeah. Everything. God first. In your, in your family. In your play. In your, in your giving. In everything. I can almost hear her shouting it down. I wish you could have met my mother. Someone or two... I think, actually, one or two, literally one or two, met my mother. She was a fearsome beast. <laughs> uh, God says in verse 8, The silver's mine, the gold's mine, says the Lord of hosts. And he says, give me what's mine. He says, if you give me what's mine, I'll give you what's yours. But until you do that, you ain't getting it. Suddenly it's not about houses. Suddenly it's not about things. Suddenly it's not about ministry. Suddenly it's about putting God first. He says, take your mind off earthly things, fleshly things. Every time you read a paper, watch the news, you hear on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, the world is 
cajoling you, pushing you, manipulating you to tell you that money is king. So God says, the way to dethrone money as king in your life is to put me first. It's about priorities. It's about honor. It's about our time and our time for God. It's about him having first place now because God will get first place in eternity. There's no unbelievers in eternity, no atheists in eternity, no agnostics in eternity. But God wants us to put him first and believe and honor and trust him now. And as we have honored God this morning, given him that first place, given him our costly sacrifice, to that level of sacrifice, to that level of commitment, to that level, he will honor us. It's about putting God first. And yet we find it so difficult, don't we? Particularly wanted to preach this message after we'd given. (laughs) Not before, because I'm not trying to cajole you to give more. Not at all. The kingdom of darkness says, look after yourself. Get yourself first. The kingdom of light says, put God first, and then he'll put you first. Kingdom of light says, look after God. Kingdom of darkness says, you can't afford to. Kingdom of light says, you can't afford not to. David, in fact, said in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 14, he says, in my affliction and trouble... I have provided for the house of the Lord. That's a wonderful verse. Because so often people say, well, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this and I've got that. And the next thing, David says, in all my troubles, God comes first. You understand? And I know many of you sacrificially give. It's like giving blood almost. And it's through gritted teeth sometimes. But you trust God. And David says, I'm with you. In my affliction and in my trouble, I have provided for the house of the Lord. So our life's biggest decision is, what kingdom do we seek first? What kingdom are we manipulated into seeking first? Your life's biggest regret will be putting him second. That will be your life's biggest regret. Your life's biggest success will be choosing the kingdom of God first. And our life, and certainly our eternal life, will reveal the answer to those questions. You see, when you're God's servant, you're given the hard questions to ask. I guess that's my job. That's the preacher's job. Preach the word in season and out of season. When you're popular, when you're unpopular, preach the word. And these are life questions, eternal questions. God says, preach the word whether they love it or whether they hate it, whether it's good news or it's bad news. Haggai was a prophet. He was bringing some harsh words. And God thought, I'm going to put that in this Bible for a reason. So that sometimes... Some daft Scotsman is going to stand up in the middle of Preston and preach this word. Preach the word in season and out of season. 
whether people listen or people don't listen, whether people complain or whether people encourage. It's time for us, every family, every person, preacher, hearer alike, to consider our ways. Because if we do, and if we honor God, his word says, good times ahead. No matter what you're going through, good times ahead. And your husband, and your wife, and your children, and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren will, as I am doing this morning, remember and thank God for the commitment and for a mother and sometimes a father being resolute in their worship of God. Maybe not today, but certainly one day. I'm tired, shouting down the stairs to my mum, was turned to, I'm going. Because I considered my way. <laughs> if I had that foot on those steps coming up them stairs, I, uh, no, you'd rather just go. Uh, but thank God, my mother insisted I do. The biggest frustration of me as a man is that so often... I look at women as being the driving force in the Christian family. As a man, I find that deeply humiliating and frustrating because God has put us men first as head of the house, spiritually. And so often, ladies, you ladies sometimes, have to, as my mother did, decide, I am going to take this bull by the horns and I am going to make this happen. Guys, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And decide, I'm going to consider my ways. My job as a pastor is to encourage the men, but also encourage the ladies. Consider your ways and decide God first. What's the question? God first. Whatever the question is, God first. Whatever it is, God first. Whether it's church midweek or whether it's getting up in the morning to, to give him honor and give him praise, whether it's speaking to him last thing at night, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's witnessing for him, whatever it is, God first, God first. What's the question? God first. I don't know what to do. God first. God first. God first. It makes everything much simpler. Much simpler. What should I do? God first. <laughs> God first. God first. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, which says it follows us all the days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Thank you for your servant David, who could not wait to go to your house. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll give us a deep desire for your house. That you'll give us a burden for your house. That we'll take responsibility in your house. That we'll see your house better than our house. That we'll put your house 
first, that we'll seek your kingdom before our kingdom, that we'll put the kingdom of light before the kingdom of darkness, that we'll recognize who you are. I will not just sing songs to you, Lord. We'll not just make emotional decisions, but in the follow-through of life, come hell or high water, God first. Help us to consider our ways as we choose paths, as we look at decisions, as we worry, as we fear, as we stress sometimes, God first. Help us to consider our ways, Lord, so that we might consider your way. And we ask it in your lovely and indeed your precious name, the name of Jesus, name above all names. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.